Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Net Worth Podcast, where we talk about the, all things WTA and handicapping the WTA. I'm Noops, and joining me as always from beautiful Sacramento is our buddy Spread. How's it going, Spread? How was your Christmas? Oh, it was great. How you doing today, Noops? I'm fantastic. Ate a bunch of good food, got to see my family. It was really great. Joining us this week also, um, back from his little technical difficulty, our buddy Jorge. Do they have uh, Christmas up in Canada, Jorge? We do, and we even have something called Boxing Day, and that's like our Black Friday up here. I've got a bit of a cold today, as people will be able to hear, but uh, yeah, we got uh, Boxing got a new computer. Uh, unfortunately, the mic plug-in on my new computer, there's no USB port, so more technical uh, difficulties until next week. <laughs> well, that's okay. It gives us something, something to keep wondering and be curious about. Glad you're able to be with us, and we hope you feel a little better. And joining us, a very, very special guest, our, our second guest ever in the history of the podcast, from somewhere in Germany, our buddy Vinny, who you guys might know from Twitter, at Matter Tips Tennis. Now, where in Germany are you calling us from, Vinny? Um, right now, I'm calling you from the Netherlands. Oh, the Netherlands, even better. <laughs> I'm here on a little vacation, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm from Bavaria in Germany, usually. <laughs> We're really glad to have, yeah. you, have you on. Um, thanks for taking some time on your vacation. I know you had a, a rough day today. Um, your car got broken into. How's that going? <sighs> yeah, I was asking myself. Um, yeah, some gangs uh, used some new ste- uh, wheels, I think, so... <laughs> That, that was, well, that was yeah that was the interesting but, yeah i'm over it now it was interesting to learn that uh, apparently moroccan gangs like audi steering wheels so for those of you that are listening that have an audi and uh, live somewhere where there are moroccan gangs maybe looking to get in like one of those clubs or or some sort of security device but we're sorry to hear about that and I'm glad you were able to join us um now i know that <laughs> yeah thanks for having me guys i really appreciate it and I hope it will be worth it. (laughs) (laughs) We're excited to have you. And although we have some tennis finally to talk about with three tournaments coming this week, we're hoping to maybe get just a little background from you, Vinny. Um, You know, the three of us know you quite, quite well uh, from the tennis chat there that we're in. But for our listeners a little bit, um, you know, what's your background with tennis? Did did you grow up playing? Did you grow up watching a lot? Um, Is it something you still actively do? Um, Talk a little bit about, you know, tennis and, and how you became close with it. Yeah, I grew up watching it, um, didn't play it in a club level or something because here in Germany it's all about football or like you call it soccer and yeah, I played like all of my friends played soccer and I played it as well. So they have always <laughs> three times a week there's practice with one or two matches even in the lowest league so <laughs> it was not possible to do any second sports or so. But yeah, I lost interest then, like five, six, seven years ago. And then I picked up the racket more often again. And yeah, tennis was always more fun to me, but (laughs) no one wanted to play with me. Uh, So yeah. I'm glad I'm over the soccer a bit and play more tennis. That's great to hear. I I know both Spread and and Jorge played growing up. Um, It's something that I'm not too familiar with, but hopefully get into. So how did your, um, you know, your love of tennis and playing tennis translate into an interest in handicapping? Um, You know, when did you start looking at spreads and and really betting on tennis and how did you get into it? So, yeah, (laughs) that's difficult as we are like gambling podcast that wants to help but yeah my starting was not really helpful I was a gambler like everybody 
and did some parlays that hit one out of a thousand times or so. But yeah, then some. sometimes I realized that tennis was most fun and I also had a kind of an edge, even if I didn't really use it. And yeah, some, sometimes later on when, when I grew older and yeah, then, then I started doing a bankroll thing and bankroll management and started using a spreadsheet to track all, everything. And then it's, I also started um, making profit of it, yeah. But yeah, my start was not, you don't know, you don't want to know it, about it. <laughs> I think everybody kind of has that start. I don't think that there's too many yeah. people that got into gambling that automatically knew were really good at bankroll management or having a system or knowing what to do. Um, I think well, the three of us have talked about it a little bit, but um, myself personally, I got into it. I think I had one season where I sort of half-assed tracked some football bets and it looked really good. And of course, dove into the next season of NFL football, doubled up everything I was doing and just absolutely got kicked in the pants. Um, I think it's one of those stupid lessons that I, I think you have to teach yourself, like a little kid that, that can't learn, the, learn that the stove's hot without touching it. So um, don't feel too bad, but you're, you're finally in a good place, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and all the mistakes you make also help you to get better, of course. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So, can you talk a little bit about how you handicap matches? Um, I know someone that, that plays tennis um, or and played a little bit. Um, is it more of a soft handicap? Do you watch a lot from that perspective? Do you use numbers? Is it kind of a combination? Um, how do you look at matches? Yeah, it definitely is a combination of everything. Um, I watch. Uh, like every day, <laughs> few matches, a uh, few hours every day, and but I do also have a model which, yeah, has stuff like past performance, uh, performance on any given service surfaces, fatigue and all that stuff. But yeah, um, no model really follows um, social life or Instagram or stuff like that. And so I also check that pretty often and um, yeah, check how players are doing in their recent matches as I watch pretty much as well. So yeah, it's, it's, it's really, it's a combination of everything, but I, most, most things I consider is where are the players in life and what, what are they doing and are they motivated or not. So, for example, um, I saw, I think it was Putin Seva after the US Open and still saw her shopping in New York um, in the second week when she was already out. And then I saw her on the entry, entry list for some Asian tournament and yeah, that was like, I don't like that word, but it, that was like an auto fate for me. And I faded her against, I think, um, I think Schmidlova or some, someone like her and yeah she retired that match so that's stuff I, I I consider as well it's funny you mentioned that match specifically I was actually thinking about that I was on I, I was on her I remember the line looked like it was a little goofy and then there was some value so I grabbed her and was actually really happy she retired she looked terrible um, so, so I think that that's yeah. an interesting idea something that I have personally never built into my handicap um, you know finally getting getting an Instagram looking on that checking people's Twitters checking people's Facebook um, spread or Jorge is that something you guys actively do are you guys out there on social media spread I know you're a millionaire old do you even know what we're talking about <laughs> yeah i do and actually i do not um 
I don't follow the Instagrams too much, but I, I I'm not on Instagram at all. But on the Twitter, um, just being you know part of like tennis Twitter and following you know probably 300 tennis either fans, reporters, or other handicappers, uh, all the juicy stuff seems to get retweeted. So I seem to be somewhat aware of it, although I'm probably not as dialed in as as you younger guys that are sharper. Yeah, yeah it's I'm also, not, uh, of course, it's tougher to get information about the top go top girls, but like for the top 100 ranked girls, they share a bit more. Or for the younger girls like Anisimova, she tweets like every day. So, yeah, and it's mother's <laughs> all over it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a huge uh social media handicapper. I think uh it's just tough to to try and track down uh, all their different feeds and social medias and whatnot. But uh, if I see something and I think it's relevant that comes across my timeline, I certainly uh stash it away in the back of my mind. I think that's something we'll have to find. Maybe we'll get our intern to look into that as, as we dive into the season, guys. I know that um, he's looking for some work to do, so I think maybe we'll have him get some social media accounts out there and, and take advantage of that. So that's an interesting uh, little tidbit, Vinny, and something that I think would actually be pretty useful. So uh, for those of you that are actually out there doing that, uh, good on you, and, and please feel free to share that information with Spread, Jorge, and myself. Um, so I think that was just that was a really good intro, Vinny. Um, it was really good to hear a little bit about your background and how you dive into the process. Uh, before we jump into the, the tournaments that are coming up here this week, Spread or, or, or Jorge, I don't know if you had any questions for Vinny. Yeah, I got one real quick. Um, so Noops and I, when we use head-to-head, -head, we kind of do it differently. Noops likes to do the zigzag, so usually he will go against the more previous result, whereas I like to kind of ride the streak. And I was just wondering uh, what your view is on using head-to-head -head in the handicap, Vinny. Oh, uh, yeah, I would also go for the streak again. Because, um, yeah, head-to-head -head can also be, like, um, the other way around, like revenge factor and stuff. So for the head-to-head, -head, I don't really give too much about it. So I'll more go for a streak, I think. Excellent. Do you have any questions, Jorge? Nope, Vinny, just uh, you gave him two choices and he answered C. I agree with Jorge. Because <laughs> we know I'm not a huge, I'm not huge on it. I look at it, but I'm not huge on it either. Yeah, I think I use it more than anyone. And I think that this comes from when I played, the players that I beat, I, I, even if I got behind, if I, if I consistently beat them or, I, you know, I beat in the last couple matches, I was just assumed I came back. And, I mean, maybe that's just me personally. And then when I, there was players that I, had str I struggled with, and I felt sometimes when I would get, get ahead, I would get more nervous and not really feel like I was winning. So um, that might be my own personal bias jumping in there on the head-to-head. -head. But uh, I just think it's interesting to discuss. No, that was a great question. Absolutely, yeah. All right, gentlemen. Well, I know we're very excited. We finally have some tennis to handicap. Now, Vinny, I know you've been out there handicapping whatever goofy little tournaments have been going on the last few weeks, but for the betterment of, of my and, and spread and probably Jorge's bankroll, um, I've decided to pretend like those don't exist. And we finally have the beginning of the tennis season. Um, let's start with a tournament in China, in Shenzhen, China, some point later tonight, our time. We'll have the beginning of the first round. Uh, looking at last year's winner, Simona Halep beat Katarina Siniakova. 
The year before that, Sinyakova actually beat Allison Risk. And then the year before that, we had uh, Radwanska actually beat Risk. So t- two second places in the last three years for, for Risk and two top two finishes for Sinyakova. Um, although I believe she's not actually in this tournament this year. She's somewhere else. Um, taking a look at the draw, um, just from a big name standpoint here, we've got Arena Sabalanka as our one seed. Uh, spreads favorite, Helena Ostapenko's. Here is our four seed, Maria Sharapova. Um, all is sitting in the top half and the bottom half. A, a couple other names, Caroline Garcia, um, Wang Chung. So I think what we'll do, guys, is we'll dive into these tournaments and take a look at the top and bottom half and, and discuss really from an outright perspective who we think has a good chance to come out of this top half and, and maybe win the tournament. So I'll start with you, Spread. What do you see in this top half here? Who do you like? Uh, I, I'm, I like your favorite to uh, to start off the year well. And then I think the other one in that half, and then I think we had discussed it with um, some of Vinny's ITF success, but uh, wasn't Shuai Pang the one that just recently won the ITF and she's starting off against Christina Pliskova in the first round? Yep, yep. Yeah, and she hasn't lost a match in a while, and I would look to be um, to be backing her, and I think you could get some good prices for her. And um, I'm really interested to see how she does. Um, Ostapenko, I don't have high hopes for yet. I will be rooting but not wagering. And um, But, yeah, my two favorites there are the favorite, and then I like paying for the um, kind of value there. What are you seeing here, Vinny? What do you think about the top half of the, the Shenzhen bracket? Any thoughts? Yeah, that's kind of boring, but I also marked Peng. She she looked really great. Uh, had to play the Asia um, Asia Pacific Australian Open qualifying because she yeah got suspended after that Wimbledon incident where she didn't want to play doubles with Van Oetvang, I think. Um, so she's just on her comeback trail and she looks really good. And Ostapenko. Yeah, maybe you know more about her spread, and if even you are not convinced she can beat Peng, so maybe I'll go for that if Ostapenko be, uh, wins her first round. So I really like Peng as well. Maybe Sabalenka, I'm not, I'm not convinced yet. She has some, uh, yeah, Maria, she will beat easily, I think. Then Alexandrova Yakupovic. Hmm. It can also hit, and Sabalenka, yeah, just have to see how she starts the season. Maybe she she's a bit hit or miss first first few matches as well. And then there's uh, Sharapova, I also marked. Curious about her this season. Think she was training pretty hard. And yeah, it's a favorable draw as well. Xin Yu Wang, maybe second weeks. A talent I really rate from China but yeah she should um, beat her and then there might be a clash Sivalenka Sharapova which I'm really looking forward to well hey yeah I think go ahead yeah I'm just gonna draw. I think uh, that that top half is I think clearly the one to watch all your big hitters and, and I guess you would say kind of not ball bashers but you know, borderline ball bashers are, are up there with Ostapenko, Sharapova, and uh, Sabalenka. Uh, one thing to note, Sharapova has had success here in the past. Uh, I believe she was a semi-finalist last year. Um, I think any of my outright bets would probably come from the bottom half. I was really hoping uh, to look at Luxa Kukumkum 
in the uh, bottom half there with uh, her in Asia, and she loves playing in the that side of the world as we've discussed. But that second round match against Garcia is going to keep me away from uh, from betting that in any uh, any outright form, just because there's no I don't see any kind of equity in that. Um, but I think the best bet from an outright perspective is to just go to the bottom half. Uh, there's no names that really scare me other than Caroline, Caroline Garcia. I think she's probably the best uh, outright bet, and Bet365 has her as the third favorite uh, to win the tournament behind Sabalenka and uh, Kyung Wong. So I think that's the, uh, that's the match that we'll see in the, in the semis from the bottom half, and uh, I, I like Garcia in a head-to-head match there. Yeah, it's okay. Um, if you're in the bottom half now, um, I also have uh, one name for you there. I marked Pavlichenkova there. I think she can beat Garcia, and she has a, a she has a yeah, easy not not easy but an easier draw than Garcia, who has to beat Kumkum. I think Pavlichenkova gets to the quarters pretty easily, and then yeah, Garcia Pavlichenkova is like. 50-50 for me. And that's why I like Pavlyuchenkova outright. She's at 17, I think, at bet 365. And that's a price I will pretty much, yeah, that I will play, yeah. Yeah, from a top half perf- yeah, yeah, from a top half perspective, I'm with you guys on Shui Peng. I actually had that that name circled as well myself, and um, I think that she's in just as good a chance as anybody. But um, yeah, thank you, Spread, for that that little throw out there. I think my girl Arena, the Amazonian warrior Sabalanka, um, has a chance, hopefully, to come out here and and really have a great tournament. But I think last time we said that Spread, it was um, I can't remember what tournament it was in in Canada at the end of last year, but she came out and and really just put up a stink stinker in the first round. Yeah, so I don't know if we'll see something like that again. Um, you know, we always preach value here. She's at four and a half to one to win this tournament. Uh, that's an okay price, but something I'm going to pass up. Um, but Shui Peng, I was seeing, um, let me see, I'm looking at Bovada right now. She was at 14 to one. I think she has just about as good a chance in that top half as anybody, you know, if Sabalenka doesn't come out totally hot. Um, and from a bottom half perspective, too, I'm glad you brought up Pavlyuchenkova there, Vinny. Um, you know, when you look at that bottom half, there's a couple pretty interesting names there. Um, Wang Chung always does really, really well in China. Um, you know, we, right. It's six. It's six and a half to one. Does she have value there? I no? don't know. I was hoping for a little yeah. more. Um, having to play in the same half as Pavlyuchenkova and Garcia, but it sounds Vinny like maybe you think differently. Yeah, um, I also marked her at 6.5. Um, I think at her quarter she will advance. Oh, yeah, she has risk than Diaz or Rodina. If she comes out like she played um, end of last season, um, I think that's must-win matches for her. And also in the and, quarters. Is she still with Peter McNamara? Am I right about that? Oh, I didn't hear Or did she lose her coach? Didn't hear differently, no. So I think she still is, yeah. Okay, because I think that helps her a lot. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I also like that you um, had her uh, had him for Coach of the Year. But yeah, Sasha Bayin made it. Well, that was on a different podcast. They're uh, they're very wonderful, but you know uh, yeah. we think we're right and they're wrong. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, but uh, as I said, um, I like her quarter. Um, don't see really, don't see any name that sh- sh- should beat her. 
and then yeah semi-finals yeah you can't really predict but 6.5 is okay for me okay so it looks like we're thinking um, we've got Wang Chung at 6.5 to 1. Um, I know Vinny, you and I talked a little bit about Pavel Yuchenkova. Spread or Jorge, do you think she has any chance to come out of here on the bottom half? You know, Jorge, I know it sounded like you were pretty confident in Caroline Garcia. Yeah, I think you, you've also got to take it with a grain of salt from him. I, I'm a huge believer in in uh, Caroline Garcia's game. I think she, she can really hit. She She's really got a well-rounded game, uh, decent at net, moves well. Uh, really no weakness um and i think yeah she can she can play with the hitters so i always try and if i can find her as like a third or fourth favorite in a tournament like she is here and she's in the lesser half i I mean she's not going to get hit off the court by anyone uh, in that bottom half whereas she could if if ostapenko or sabalenko was zoned in they could and you know, hit her off the court in the top half. Um, I, I'm always predisposed to to backing Garcia in these types of situations. Yeah, um, Garcia, of course, she has every chance in in that half and also to win the tournament. But to me, I was surprised a bit about Pavlyuchenkova's price and 17 is a must 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 play for me. Yeah, I'm a. Even if she loses to Garcia, it's no real harm done. Yeah, I think that's a great future. It's at sixteen to one, so I'm I'm on board there. It sounds like you and Spread have stacked hands on on Wang Chung at, at six and a half to one. I'd like that to be a little better, but I'll, I'll dive into that a little more and give it a second look. I mentioned Shui Pang at fourteen to one. Anybody else jumping on board there with me? Yep. And then Jorge, who did you have? Were you thinking about Garcia at? Five? I'm seeing five and a half to one, but I think you had a different price. I have uh, so me and Vinny are speaking in European odds here. I have seven point oh oh, which is the equivalent to plus six hundred or six. That's to right. Um, I like that price. I'm not gonna really delve into much else. Like I said, I I mean it's funny I say that I I would would have liked to play Kumkum at twenty nine, um, but you know she runs into Garcia in the second round, and you'd almost think that would push me off Garcia since I like someone else down there that plays early, but. Um, I, I just I can't see stylistically too many people troubling her. I think uh, I think Pavlyuchenkova's price is as long as it is just because her season last year was ultra disappointing. So I think you know bookies kind of want to or people kind of want to you know see that she's she's back before um, you know giving any kind of favorite type number. And um, yeah, I mean like I said, uh, Garcia is my only outright play here. I love the the setup. I love the half of the draw she's in. Um, and I love the way she'll match up uh, going right through probably to the finals. And Spread, any other futures you want to pile on? No, but I wanted to just, uh, about Kumkum there, doesn't she traditionally do well against the players she's supposed to beat and then struggle against the players that, um, I mean, isn't she usually pretty straightforward with her results? Uh, that's what I tend to see when I, when I look at her. She does really well in the, in the smaller tournaments and some of these tournaments where she has to play a little higher level of players. She's not as successful. Um, but th- that's kind of what I'm used to seeing. So not sure if we can really count on her to get it done here. I don't, is that what you were trying to think and spread? But I was just, uh, that was just one of the reasons why I kind of liked Garcia. Like, I know that, that seeing Kumkum's name is there makes it look like she has a formidable second round. But in my head, I always just see her as someone that kind of, like, 
you know, she doesn't get crazy upsets, and she doesn't seem to get upset that often. She seems to play pretty close to what you'd expect. But I was just asking for uh, mainly Vinny and Jorge's opinion on that, as well as yours, of course. But uh, yeah, you know, I was if yeah, I'm wrong uh, about that. Or she's a great player for these really small WTA 125 tournaments. She won one or two, I think, end of last season, but I I'm not sure she can beat Lex Vonareva, Garcia, Pavlyuchenkova, Wang, and Sabalenka in, in a row. So that's kind of impossible to me. She also randomly enjoys the Australian Open, I believe. Um, I, didn't she either push Osaka really far a year or two ago or actually beat her? I can't... Uh, I can't exactly remember. I'm gonna look uh, look it up here, but I know that uh, Kum Kum, for some reason, down at the Aussie Open, has won I think four or five main draw matches in the the course of her career. Uh, last year, she went all the way to the third round uh, after having to come through qualifiers too. So, yeah, the smaller tournaments, and for some reason or another, uh, the Aussie Open. All right, well, we'll keep that in mind coming forward to the next couple of weeks. Yeah, that's a great note. All right, so I think that just about wraps it up from an outright perspective, unless you guys have any other thoughts you want to toss in. Um, looking at the, some of the first-round matchups here, I was just flipping through some of the lines where you were talking about um, not too many fantastic matches, but a couple close ones. And one line that kind of stuck out to me as some possible value here, Yafin Wang is playing Anna Schmedlova. And I've got Yafin Wang, I'm seeing uh, minus 165 here. Um, I was expecting something closer, probably to minus 200 or a little deeper. Um, I don't know, do you guys have any instant reactions to that? I would go the other way. I thought that... Uh Shmidlova's price actually was somewhat enticing um, as long as it is. I think last year she really, you know, she, she'd always struggled to, to look to her potential. And last year uh, she had several tournaments where uh, I think she really showed off uh, what people have been waiting for. So um, I'm not I'm not going to bet it just because I don't quite know enough about uh, Yaf and Wong to confidently oppose her. Um, but if anything, I, I almost feel like I'd go the other way on that one. Yeah, for me, it's a no play. Um, like you said, Jorge Schmidlova might be value, but um, also, well, that's a match I won't touch in the first round, first match of the year. Just have to see players' forms. And yeah, Wang is, she's really consistent. She might push Schmidlova into some errors, but yeah, the price is not, not, not high enough for me to have a play there. All right, so then I feel better. I'll stay away from that um, little early season bump there, but that, that's interesting because when I take a look at it, I see Yoff and Wang is having some much better performances, but um, it'll be interesting. I'll watch that one to see if Schmidlova looks like she's a little better player than what I'm seeing as I start to look at some things. Um, were there any of the first-round matches that stuck out to you guys as interesting or you wanted to break down for the folks? Okay. So. I, I don't... No, yeah, I'm not... Uh, Shenzhen isn't, uh, you know, my... Uh, the first round, I, I don't see too much that uh, that I'd like. I think um, the one that I, where I see a little bit of value is actually in um, Shuai Zhang. Uh, I think the loss she's only played on Jabber once uh, that was years ago in Sydney and Jabber actually beat her but I, I just don't see what's keeping her anywhere 
um, south of minus 200. And I think, uh, I'm not sure how you convert minus odds as well, but I'm seeing 166 uh, at Pinnacle, 167 at uh, 1x, but I think that's around minus 150. And um, I think that's 10 to 15 cents of value on the dollar. Um, at that price for uh, for Schwai. That's some good math. It is just about one, minus 150. I was seeing actually 155. That was another one that, that stuck out. You've got Schwai Zhang again with that home court advantage in China. Um, we saw that at the end of the year during the Asian swing. You know, Chinese fans really show up for some of these players. And I, I wonder if Jorge owns Jabor's getting priced based on kind of the, the last month that she had last year. Um, you know, before the cramps that she had in the Moscow final, she was really playing some wonderful tennis for about two to three weeks. So I wonder if that's that's got her price down a little bit, but I think you're right at minus 155 or 1.66, 1.67 in English. uh, I like that as well. How about spread Vinny? Any thoughts on that? I'm staying away because um, everything that Jorge said um, sounds right to me, except for I lost a lot of money fading Jabor during that little run she had there towards the end, so I'm a little gun shy on doing it again because... um, I remember I wasn't a believer there, t- t- there toward till the end. So uh, I'm definitely going to watch. So I want to see if she can carry that form. Yeah, I'll I'll just stay away as well. Um, but I saw another play here. Maybe the value play for the first round for me is Jakubovic. I know Alexandrova had really nice end of the year and also won some indoor tournaments. But yeah, that's the point. It was indoors, which clearly is Alexandrova's best surface and I know, don't know if she can just convert that form to outdoor courts with yeah, Jakubovic also being a pretty consistent player and she also had a pretty good 2018 so at 2.62 I think that might be value as well. Yeah that one stuck out I saw that I've actually got if you're on Bovada it's a little better I'm seeing plus 170 or 2.7 um, but I like that. I think I'm going to jump on board with you there. The, the game spread's only three and a half, but I like that money line. Yeah, even the game spread might be, it's only three and a half, but with these girls holding serve pretty consistently, might be seven, six, six, four as well. That's actually a good question, Vinny. When you think about game spreads, this is something that we talk about sort of off and on throughout the year. Um, how do you value, say, three and a half versus four versus four and a half? When we talk about it, that, that's, that's always yeah, kind of the big move is across that f- four number for us. Yeah, definitely hate three and a half spreads. But when I, when I have two big servers or when I'm convinced um, the underdog will win at least one set then I might play three and a half as well but yeah if you get four at close to plus money then I'd always prefer plus four of course yeah all right, so let's dive into Auckland a little bit. It sounds like we, we've wrapped up on Shenzhen for the most part. Um, so we've got a tournament also on Auckland, which I found out was in New Zealand and not Australia. Uh, thank you to the folks at Wikipedia for that. Um, looking at last year, we had Julia Gorgeous beat Caroline Wozniacki. Um, the year before, Lauren Davis, an American, actually beat Anna uh, Konju. And the year before that, Sloane Stevens beat Julia Gorgeous. So we see Julia Gorgeous here in the finals two, uh, two out of the last three years. Um, and some pretty big names for the most part. Um, you know, not that Lauren Davis and Anna Konju aren't big names, but when you sort of put those aside, as I look back here, you know, Venus Williams, Caroline Wozniacki, Venus Williams, um, so, some good names as we look for the past couple of years. But um, starting to take a look at this bracket here in the top half, you know, Vinny, why don't you go first this time? What do you like? 
Um, in the first half, I <laughs> that might be a surprising pick, but I have Monica Puig here. Um, yeah, Auckland's always a bit windy, a bit humid, and I think that could favor Puig, and she plays Bethany Matic Sands first. Yeah, I don't know if she's ever coming back on the singles tour regularly. Then, yeah, she has Ji Zuwai, who's a tricky player as well, but I really like the 23 odds, or plus 2,200, is it? <laughs> on Puig, out right there. Because also the quarterfinals, there's only Soribus Tormo, Vögele, Vickery and Flipkens. So whoever gets out of that quarter um, might be a value pick for the for the outright there. And I picked Puig because on the first quarter I just couldn't, I don't know, Wozniak, Azarenka, Venus, couldn't pick one of them. So I just go for Puig on the uh, top half. I actually like that uh, that angle a lot just because you can extract a good amount of hedging value out of out of that section with uh as he said there's just not not a whole lot to, to scare you um in that kind of second quarter i guess um for me the top half i, I think uh i saw someone tweet that you know the organizers wouldn't be happy because their three big names all got put in the same quarter um with williams uh what was name am i looking at this correctly yeah, Williams, Wozniacki, yep. and Azarenka. Um, sorry, my eyes are even a little blurry. It's a <laughs> long day. Uh, but I think, you know, the, the organizers weren't happy about that. But, I mean, that's another thing that could, could help someone like a Monica Puig or someone from that second quarter is, is those three really focusing on beating each other up. And if someone can, can get through a, a much easier quarter uh, and get into the semis, then, uh, you know, there's uh, no, nothing saying they couldn't pull off an upset. What do you think, Spread? I, I'm kind of on board with these guys. I like Monica Puig. I had that name circled before we started as well. Um, you jumping on board with us? Yeah, I think this might be a case of where we just all talk to each other so much that, you know, even without discussing it, we're on the same thing. And my little tennis draw challenge that I did last night, and I thought I was kind of being cute. You know, I put Puig and Jeannie in the final. Uh, it, so I was kind of thinking that same way too because um, you know you're kind of losing the value with Vika, Woes, and Venus all in the same draw, and then Puig's just gonna have to beat one of them um, to advance. So I love it. Um, on the bottom half, just because instead of us all agreeing, we'll go, maybe go to something else here. Um, Kennan and Stry uh, Stritskova, I always say her name wrong. Um, didn't they have that really emotional match in the Fed Cup recently? Yeah, yeah. And they, if they win out, they would meet in their quarterfinal. And that, to me, is fascinating. Um, the rematch on, you know, neutral turf. Um, that one. But, of course, you know, um, Kenan will have to get by Martich, who played well. And uh, either Kuzmova or Zidancic, which, you know... Um, I would favor Kennan, but I mean that those two winning wouldn't be crazy. And uh, Stritskova, I think she'll beat Taylor Townsend pretty easily. And um, 
I'll be interested to see if uh, Anasmova can beat the qualifier. That's the quarter that really jumped out to me from a fan's perspective, maybe not a gambling perspective. Yeah, I love that spread. I <laughs> didn't, didn't realize uh, Street Survivor and Canyon could meet that up, but that would be really nice, yeah. But yeah, I have Anasmova, but yeah, I won't pick anyone from that quarter as Street Survivor and Anasmova. I also like Kuzmova, Canyon. But on the other side, yeah, if I look at Kuzmova, she has to get past the Sidanzak first, who's a grinder as well, and she could be tricky on every day. Then Kennen and Isamova, well, that's a tough, tough draw. But on the other side, the draws are, uh, the yards are as well nicely. Kennen has, is at 29 for me. That might, might be a shot. That's interesting. What do you th- what do you think, Jorge? Um, how about Cannon? Any any like for for the bottom half there? Uh, maybe if you could find, and I don't think they do it for smaller tournaments uh, to win the quarter um, bets. But I, I think the only outright I'm going to go with at the bottom is uh, Jeannie. Uh, she's looked incredible in her her run up and uh, exhibitions uh, to this tournament. The only really obstacle I see in that entire forget quarter, it's inner quarter but that entire half uh, if she's at the top of her game is uh, uh, Julia Gerges um, outside of and I mean that's not to, you know, that, that's I'm not trying to <laughs> brush her aside, she's one of the best players on tour and she's had success at this tournament repeatedly so um, that won't be easy but other than that one challenge at plus 2200 or or 23 odds um i mean for one obstacle or for how i see it one obstacle is is huge value on genie well it's good i'm glad you talked about genie a little bit i was going to ask about that uh, one of our listeners Bo, is is very excited obviously about genie in general but um she has played really really well this last week and when you look at her quarter she she does have the ability to get pretty easily to julia Gor- gorgich um, you know, obviously, Gorgeous is in a really great position here. Um, I think that match with Jeannie will be really interesting. But once she gets through, um, I think she should actually be able to take care of whoever's in the top half. I'm not sure if the value's there uh, from an outright perspective. I'm seeing her at 4.5 to 1 or 5.5 for uh, Vinny and Jorge. Um, don't really love that, that price, but um, that's an interesting thought on Jeannie. Vinny and spread, do you guys like Jeannie Bouchard at all in the bottom half? Yeah, I had her, but you know what? The more that I'm thinking about this, I'm I'm thinking, <laughs> re-looking at this today, because obviously I filled out my bracket last night, I think that uh, Gerges kind of can cruise to the final here. Um, and I'm going on my head off the most recent match between um, Gerges and Genie. And do you remember that that match was, it was in Luxembourg. I remember watching it, because I think, but uh, was Bo loading up live? I can't remember. I think that he had Gerges, and then he kept hedging off or something. But I remember watching the match, and it was really, really close, and Jeannie looked like she had a shot, and then Gerges just shut her down, um, you know, in the third set. and almost reminded me of sometimes when those good NBA teams, um, you know, kind of let the, the other player hang around, other team hang around, and then in the last six minutes just, you know, up their game and, and raise it. And I think that she will be able to do that again. Um, and then when you're looking at, at these other players, so then she's going to get the winner of the really tough quarter. Um, 
you know, and you know, Kennan's, uh, Stritskova, Anasimova, and then uh, we already discussed how whoever comes out of the top is probably going to have a, a tough tournament. So um, this actually sets up for Gerges quite nice. As the number two seed, I think she has a much more favorable draw than the number one seed Wozniacki. Yeah, I was looking at Jeannie and after what she played last week and in Hawaii, uh, it was Hawaii, yeah. And I was like the opposite of Jorge. I was like, oh, 20 only, because it's a bit recency bias. As Bouchard has never been to the to the quarters or semis in, in what, six years now. But yeah, I was like, oh, that's a bit too low for me. But if I look closely again, um, that really might be value, yeah. She should get to the quarters to meet Gorgas. And even if Gorgas won Auckland last year, I think she could struggle as well a bit with the wind and stuff. She doesn't like uh, any of these circumstances. So yeah, might might play Bouchard as well. I like her, yeah. yeah. Okay, so I'm looking at my notes here. I've got, sounds like there's two outrights that, that we're supporting here a little bit. Um, we've got Jeannie at 22 to one and, and Monica Puig at 22 to one. So is there anybody else that we wanted to highlight from an outright perspective, Spread or, or Vinny or Jorge, any, any other value you see here besides those two names? Oh, yeah, that's, there's so many in the third quarter. So it's, it's just too many to pick one. That's why I'll just go with Puig, I think. Maybe Bouchard. Yeah, I think you're right. They have kind of the easiest quarters to, to make it through. And I think from an outright perspective, that's always a good strategy. You know, like we talked about, when, you've got, when you look at the first and really third quarters, there's so many good names there. It's hard to pick somebody that's going to come out. So we'll go with just those two um, for, for the time being in Auckland. Um, now, in terms of first-round matchup spread, I think that there was one that you were looking for Vinny's opinion on. Let's see, spread. I think you wanted to wanted to hear yeah. Vinny talk a little bit about uh, Kuzmova's plan, Zadancic. Zadancic? Zadancic. I think it's just about right in the first yeah. round there. So what do you think of that match, Vinny? Yeah, I like Kuzmova. I like your guy, Jonjo, as well. And I think she's really talented and could go to the top 20 next year and next two years. But yeah, as I mentioned earlier, Zadancic is a tr really tricky player. She can get so many balls back and I just don't know if Kuzmova is uh, is worth a play at that price in Auckland where there's tricky conditions as I said. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing So, you, yeah, I'm looking forward to watch it but not from a betting perspective Yeah, what are you seeing, like 1.6 which is roughly minus 155 Oh, that's that's not enough for me. Yeah, I think that I think you're right. That'll be a really great match to watch, but a, a tough one um, from a handicapping perspective to draw too much value on. Um, any other matches in the first round here, guys? You want to highlight? No, but I I do want to uh, say that I, I I don't know. I kind of see that almost as if you depending on what your your spread numbers are at your your local books. I don't hate. Kuzmov on hard courts against Zdancic. I, I mean, we talked about this last year. I'm always happy to oppose Zdancic off of clay uh, at a, the right price. So I'm going to be looking into that, and I'm going to uh, debate it until uh, probably until the match starts. Uh, I'm leaning towards laying off of it, but if I can, f you know, find a decent spread number, um, I might uh, might have a go at that. 
That's interesting. That's the good luck. <laughs> <laughs> the price looked just about right to me. Look, looking at some of my numbers, but I think that'll be a really interesting match. And I think if you are going to side with Kuzmo, that is the the right side as opposed to back into Danisk. Um, so nothing else here for Jorge in the first round. Spread or, or Vinny? Are the other matches that stuck out to you in the first round? Yeah, I heard Spread had one question for me. <laughs> Still curious. Was that, uh, it was the qualifying that I was actually asking about. And was that this turn? I think it was the Brisbane, so. Um, yeah, but no, I don't have any, any. yeah, of course, as a ranker, Williams, yeah. <laughs> that'll be great. What do, you, but, yeah. what do you guys think that'll be like? It's the beginning of the season, so Venus should be nice and fresh. Um, I was looking at that number. It looked price- Look priced okay. I, what is the number? I haven't seen any of these numbers. So as a ranker, I'm matches. seeing minus 140, which let me translate that into English. Da, 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 That's da, fine. Da. Yeah, I think she was close to evens, and now she's yeah, 1.7. Uh, minus 140. Yeah, 1.7 yeah. for, for English, but yeah, at minus 140. As a ranker, it's not too bad, um, but that'll be a lot of fun to watch for sure. So I like Vika there. I don't know if I like it enough to wager, but just when I'm filling out my bracket for fun, which is something that I I love to do um, just to get myself ready for the tournament. I mean, it's like that was one of the things that, that drew me to, to tennis right off the bat was, I mean, it's like, um, you know, all the fun you have for the Americans with the, uh, the college basketball tournament. I mean, you get it <laughs> three to five times a week with all these tournaments. Um, so I put I I had Vika advancing in my bracket. What do you guys think? Yeah, also I have Vika, but yeah, now that she moved into a favorite position, not close to evens anymore. I won't play her, and also lost quite a few bets on her last year and two years ago, as she's not really consistent again since all that stuff with her. With her child and ex. I was just about to ask you about that. As someone who follows the Instagram, um, you know, I mean, obviously, we definitely have to handicap, uh, put that into the handicap, right? Because she's constantly having to go, go back home and then and have these court battles, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm not wagering on her anymore since last year. Okay, so that'll be a fun one to watch. Maybe we'll stay away from that one from an odds perspective. And Jorge, who did you have in that one? Uh, is Jorge with yep. us right now? Yeah, I would. Okay, who did you have in that? I would match? lean just on a on a matchup perspective. I'd go with uh, Azarenka. I think she's just she's got a little bit more in the movement department. I think she can she can still hit with Venus and and uh, and so I think that she has to have a slight edge. But with the with the prices the way they are, you know, she she has a slight edge in the matchup and she's got a slight edge in the price. I just don't see any any way to 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 squeeze a play out of it. Excellent. So a fun okay. one to watch, and uh, we'll see if we can learn anything and, and see how good both Azarenka and Venus are looking at the beginning of the year, but uh, not too much from a value perspective. So let's dive into Brisbane here, which if we look at the, at the last couple years, um, <coughs> excuse me, Alina Svitolina won last year beating Alexandra Sasnovich. We had Karolina Pliskova beat um, Alizé Cornet the year before, and Azarenka actually won in 2016 beating Angelique Kerber. So um, let's start with you, Jorge. Is uh, Alina Svitolina going to defend? her title here and begin to have a fantastic beginning to the season leading to her first ever uh, Grand Slam victory in, in the Australian Open uh, I wish I could enthusiastically and confidently uh, endorse uh, those statements um, I do I do think that 
the off-season training, she she isn't nearly as skinny as she was last year. I think she's put on uh, some weight in in muscle. I think that's good. This is just too tough of a field. I'm not going to have. Um, I know we're kind of we do this podcast to preview outrights, but I'm not going to have any uh, any outrights here. I think the field is just so tough. Uh, it's early season. We don't know who's going to be uh, top of their game and who's not before seeing anything. So I think it's hard to to place a pre-tournament um, uh, wager on an outright bet when the field is so stacked. Uh, I think with the other tournaments, you could find some some spots where there's a soft quarter or you know a, a girl that's above the rest in in a half and one half the draw here. Uh, it, it's much much tougher. I think the story from, from a fan perspective. This is the tournament to watch, and I think the storylines are great. Um, a lot of WTA Finals um, potential rematches along the way, uh, but from a from a betting standpoint, I think I'm just going to sit this uh, sit this uh, outright out. How about you, Spread? And we'll save a little bit of time here. Just take a look at the whole bracket and tell us if you see anybody like a like. There's a lot of first round matchups we'll want to talk about. Right. Yeah, uh, I understand his. Uh Jorge's aversion to doing it outright here. This is a stacked field, um, and and from a fan's perspective, it's the best. Um, boy, I mean, we get all these great first-round matches. Uh, Vekic, Ryburakova, for whatever reason, I love that matchup. Uh, we had uh, discussed it before. We have Mertens and Burtons, and I think that I'm the only one here on Burtons. I think that um, you two gentlemen were leaning Mertens. Um, Stevens Conta could be fantastic, and I think this is a good opportunity for Conta because um, uh, Sloan. I, don't, I think this could be a nice fade spot there for Conta, so I'll be interested to see that price. Siniakova, Tom Zlanovic. I mean, these are just all fantastic matches. Um, uh, Putin uh, Seva versus Pliskova. I mean, this first round is just stacked. So um, I think I'm going to avoid the outrights, but I might be doing a lot of wagering just on these. All right, Vinny, we've got to give the people at least one outright. You got anything for us? Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. We always preach value on here. It, it sounds like you agree with, with Spread and Jorge, and I was yeah. putting some pressure on you because I, I don't really see, see a number that I like or sticks out to me either. But anything that you might be leaning either way on, any, anything that sticks out to you? I kind of liked Buzanescu's number at 51, um, but yeah, again, the field is so stacked. She has to play Zarenko, Kazatkina, maybe Kvitova. I like that. Osaka and then Svidolina, Stevens. But yeah, from an odds pers- value perspective, maybe Buzanescu is the only one I would play. Yeah, this is a good tournament to you grab somebody at a really big number. The three actually, I like Buzarnescu at, at fifty to one. I was actually looking at Donna Vekic at forty to one, and even Tom Janovich at sixty-six to one. Those are kind of, um, you know, again, I, I don't know if any of those three names really have a great chance of winning the tournament, given how stacked it is. But at such big numbers, you get a chance to maybe hedge a little bit as you go along, and might be good outrights to take. You know, if you're looking at betting either one of the, any of those women in the first round, maybe take the outright there and you have a little value in the second round but let's jump into some of these round one matchups and I think I'll just kind of start at the top and, and work our way down here a little bit so I know Spread you wanted to talk about Donna Vekic and uh, Magdalena Ryberakova who do you got there Spread? I mean that's one of my favorite matches um, why don't I I don't actually I, I tell you what on the 
I picked Vetic on the uh, when I was filling out my draw, but I'm not 100% like solid with that pick. So I'd like to hear what the other gentlemen have to say because I don't really have like a hot take or a real strong feeling about it other than for whatever reason, I just like watching these two. Yeah, from a spread perspective, I'm seeing minus 170 is the money line here for Vekic or uh, 1.58. So Vinny or Jorge, do you guys have any thoughts on this? Any strong plays here? In the top half, um, not really, not really. I think uh, I think I, I it's it's so tough when you've got contrasting styles because it depends on uh, where you lean. I think uh, court speed could play into this. Um, you know, Vetkic obviously the taller, uh, big hitting uh, player, whereas Rybarakova is a lot of. Uh, uh, trick shots, not trick shots, but a lot of variety, a lot of slice, a lot of uh, that kind of thing. And I think this, I, if anything, I would play Rybrakova because I see this as 50-50. She's a smart player. Um, she's troubled the bigger hitters and taller women who have trouble moving like Pliskova a lot in the past. She knows how to, to exploit that kind of, uh, not weakness, but just, um, yeah, I guess in, in a way it is a weakness. Uh, she knows how to exploit that, and I think if it's 50-50 and you're going to get a decent amount of uh, plus money, I think you're going to get maybe 25, 30 cents of value there. And is this a spot where we can, you know, use the end of the season to throw out recent results? Because uh, Rebarakova, I don't know if she was carrying an injury or what, but boy, she finished really poorly. She did not win a match. Her last tour win is in August. And um, so, yeah, she lost uh, her last five tournaments in the first round. Um, do we throw that out now because she hasn't played for two to three months, or, or do we still uh, factor that in? Yeah. I think you, you have to uh, maybe keep it in the back of your, back of your mind. Um, I think, put it this way, if she wins this match in a convincing fashion and looks really strong doing it, I think we throw it out. If she loses this match... And, you know, looks horrible, I think, then 100% you have to say, you know what, it's continuing, right? I think it's uh, this match is going to kind of tell you that. Yeah, so that's why um, I, I, th- I had the 50-50 um, with you when I, when I first saw it. And then pulling up the, uh, the recent results is where I realized that's why um, the line isn't so close. Yeah, it's looking at some of the the numbers that I have here. It's it's pretty close, and I think you're right, Spread. That's that's a good point there to look at the end of the season. And Rybarakova's really tough finish, so that'll be an interesting match to watch. And maybe we lean Rybarakova, but probably a good idea to maybe wait a match and and see where see where her form's at. So jumping down to the next big match here, we've got Elise Mertens playing Kiki Burtons in the first round. Vinny, who do you think wins? We've got the odds. I'm seeing it's pretty close to even. Kiki Burtons is just a slight favorite. So who do you like here? I think I'm jumping on your side just to make it 2-2. I think Burtons, with all her form she carries over and all the new gains, um, yeah, um, with her success in Singapore as well. I think she will be motivated for a good 2019. And I, I think she should be favored against Mertens. Maybe he would have expected Mertens to be at plus money. And how the odds are, I, I would I would just play Merton, uh, <laughs> Mertens. But yeah, 
anything can happen in the first first match of the season. All right. But I like Burton's here. All right, Jorge, do you want to tell him why he's wrong? Um, I, I think that uh, maybe we've overstated Burton's gains on hard courts. I, I think that Merton's is just stronger. Um, they, they, they almost play similar games in a way, though. They, have, they can both serve really well. They both are, I think, a bit taller and not great movers, but they're not... They're not ter- neither is a horrible mover. I think Barrett's probably has the advantage there. Um, it, it's they're very similar games, and and the line came out exactly where I would have expected it, which is unfortunate. I was really hoping um, it would lean more heavily towards Kiki, so I could uh, get some value on Elise. But uh, I I think Elise is 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 the better hardcore player. I'm not completely sold on uh, Kiki just yet. If she makes a deep run through this field. Um, you know, another impressive hardcore field. Then I'll, I'll obviously have to reconsider. But um, I'm still comfortable um, with with siding against her with a very talented hardcore player. And and here's an instance where Vinny and I look to be going against the streak, even though we talked about head to head earlier. I uh, just wanted to point out that Mertens has won. Uh, they're both on hard courts. Um, 2017, so not even last year, but Mertens is 2-0 and against uh, Kiki. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just, I, like, like Noob said earlier, I didn't have much time to go through all these matches today. I didn't even look up the head-to-head, so yeah. That's, that's a match I'm also looking forward to watch, but maybe you know, I won't have a play here, I think. All right, so I know we were kind of two to two there. I think that'll be a really interesting match. Um, that'll be pretty early in the morning, I think, my time, but that's probably an, an alarm clock match for me. Uh, my poor girlfriend hopefully won't mind me getting up in the middle of the night and putting on TV while she's trying to sleep, but uh, that should be a lot of fun. Um, the next match here, um, and again, just kind of going down, this is un- just an unbelievable first round of this tournament. Sloan Stevens is playing Joanna Conta. Um, any opinions here, guys? Do, do we lean one way or the other? Do you have a price for that? I don't Let me have a see price if I can find it. I think that I did. Uh, Sloan Stevens is a favorite, uh, minus one fifty-five. Conta plus one thirty. I was hoping to get Conta at a bigger number. That's it. Mm. That's interesting. I know that a lot of times when we talk about Sloan Stevens, she's not as um, good outside of the United States as she is. I, I don't know how she normally performs in Australia. Didn't she kind of dispel that myth last year, though? At the end of the season, I think a little bit. I mean, I remember last year saying she wasn't good in Europe, and then she did well in Europe. And then we said she's not good in Asia. And then, I mean, she had a couple bad performances, but she was pretty good in Asia, too. So I think 2018, she kind of dispelled the uh, I'm in a, a North American-only player. Hmm. Yeah, I, that's interesting. I'll have to go back through and look at some of those results because you're right. I think we saw that actually build into some prices, and we actually got some good prices on Sloan Stevens at the end of the year. Um, Vinny, any thoughts on this match? Yeah, um, I think Spread was right. Um, everybody thought Stevens was uh, so bad in Asia because she was in 2017 after the US Open win. Uh, but yeah, last year that was better from her and I'm not a fan of saying oh she's bad in Europe she's bad in Asia it's just a matter of form if she she celebrated or had a lot of media after her US Open win and did that uh, photo shoot with Jeannie as well I think in that time span 
So that's other things, not not because it's it was Asia. So that's not a factor for me. But yeah, for the match, I I did like Stevens because I <laughs> always like to fade Conta. I don't really rate her at all. But yeah, the price is just where it should be. I think won't play Conta. <laughs> but yeah, Stevens is too low for me as well to have a play there. <laughs> And Stevens lost her coach, right? Yeah, I think it was at the end of, uh, end of yeah, last season. Yeah. So that's interesting, Vinny, actually, to hear you say that um, you don't really like Joanna Conta's game too much. Can you, can you talk about that a little bit more? Because I know when we, when we look through odds, she's usually ha- you know, a pretty big favorite against most women. Yeah, I think she's, she's, she has a bit of mental problems if she she loses a game or a service game and then she... Yes, starts crying like like Sevastova or so, but she <laughs> she can't get any rallies where she gets positivity again, so she gets dragged down pretty much. And I really don't like her mental game. So maybe maybe it's also a bit of that I don't like her game as at all. Her ball toss and everything that some kind of annoys me. <laughs> That's interesting. We were talking about biases last week, so um, you got a funky ball toss. But um, that's interesting. I'll have to go back and look through on her record and see. Um, you know, when I look at some of her performances, they look pretty good on paper. But um, it's interesting to hear you say that she stands out just as somebody who's maybe a little overpriced regularly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I know I played her. Uh, I faded her against Garcia. I think. What was it? Was it the French Open first round? And then Garcia was evens against Conta, and that was like a banger for me. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think that was the French Open. So that's interesting, something to, to keep in mind. Um, you know, Speaking of Anastasia Sevastova, I know this is one of the matches we did want to talk about. She's playing Daria Gavrilova in the first round. Uh, Vinny, what do you think about that matchup? <laughs> yeah, it's a nice matchup to watch. <laughs> Probably not. Maybe three hours of pushing but two real similar players should be some great rallies and I also like uh, the betting angle from in that match for Gavrilova she's at plus 175 I think and yeah it should be a close match and I really like taking the underdog here that's another one where I'm seeing the spread at at three and a half games so do you like the money line there at plus 175 a little better than maybe the plus three and a half games So uh, for me, I would even maybe play both, put half a unit on the money line and one unit on the spread or something like that. That's interesting. That's something that I do a lot with the underdogs. I'll take maybe put like half a unit or or actually even split it into threes and go like with the over the spread and the underdog. But um, I kind of like that idea, half a a unit each uh, spread. What do you think about that matchup? Do you have any thoughts? Mm. I lean Gavrilova, but not enough. I mean, I like Gavrilova at the price, but I'm actually probably not going to bet it. Um, Sevastova is just really tough, and uh, it's funny. The last two matches we've talked about, I've lost a lot of money fading Sevastova and contest. So <laughs> I, I'm not too keen to do it again. And then um, real quick, did we get Jorge's uh, Stevens prediction? Because I was curious about that. Uh, I think it's more of a popcorn match for me. Both women... Uh, just 
can have mental lapses at any given moment and lose in the first round of any given tournament that I just don't feel comfortable um, picking one to win because, frankly, I think one is more likely to lose the match uh, <laughs> than either is to take control and win it. That's how I see that. Yes. Um, then on this match, on the Gavaloa match, uh, we were talking just before we started recording. Uh, I think I think one thing here, and I don't like to factor the home soil in, I'm not someone who 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 you know always has that as a factor for uh, for my handicapping. But with certain players who who have that emotion, and Dosh has always been a player who exhibits emotion on the court, right? Her uh, uh, Putin Seva, um, Ostapenko, these players are known for it, and I think that perhaps if the crowd is with her, a player who who does get emotional that. You know that will raise the emotions and in in a good way, and I think that could uh, possibly play a factor in this match. And I'm I'm wondering if uh, if that's worth a, a nickel or dime on its own uh, in value. Hmm. Just that's pretty interesting. I think you're right. That'll be a great match to watch and kind of learn about um, what's what's going on with both players. Um, and, go ahead, and Fred. Another quick point on the home court advantage. Um, I think there's a difference between, say, like, uh, you know, Sevastopol was playing against Siniakova in, in, in the Czech Republic. Um, that's a little different than going all the way to Australia because I think in this case, um, you know, and we maybe ask Vinny, maybe he's been following on the Instagram, but I would be assuming that, you know, uh, Sevastopol spent most of her offseason in Latvia and Gavrilova spent most of her offseason in Australia. So, um, she would be more accustomed to the time zone, the changes, and the weather. Um, so I like to factor that into my home court advantage. I think that crossing the time zones um, and and those things have a little more to do than actually like the crowd support. Although with Gavrilova, obviously she is someone who would feed off crowd support. Very interesting. Any any other first round matchups you guys wanted to highlight here in Brisbane? I, I know that there's a bunch, and um, I don't want to take the time to go through each and every single one of them. But uh, any other big ones that stick out to you guys? Yeah, I just want to get picks from you three gentlemen on Contavite Suarez Navarro. Interesting. Let's see. I'm gonna see if I can pull up the line there. I'm seeing actually that match is pretty much even. I've got both both sides minus one ten. That's that's pretty fascinating. Actually, um, taking a look at some of my numbers, I didn't get a chance to do a full breakdown on this, but I think that it, I think I actually that price is just about right. I see them both as pretty even. Um, Jorge or Vinny, do either of you guys have an opinion in this match? Yeah, I was also just saying um, it was it's too interesting for me to have a bet on. I think it's can go either way. You know, Condivate made a big step forward last year, but also Suarez Navarro in. In the US Open she had really had a really good form and yeah she she also likes the tricky conditions with her backhand and maybe she can get contravide into some arrows and then the heat can get to her so if anything I might go Suarez Navarro but yeah that's too even for me so uh, in the time that spread from the in the time that spread asked the question to now and they have already changed my mind three or four times uh, <laughs> I think and Vinny touched on it there with uh, with the backhand and the, and the the trickiness of it it's crisp it's it's uh, you know the one-hander and I think ultimately if 
Suarez Navarro isn't angling at the top of her game and gets caught in baseline rallies, uh, Annette wins. And I think if um, Suarez Navarro has her vintage, you know, the, that, that angle where she's, she's ripping it to the sideline, you know, two or three feet inside the baseline and, and really pulling Contivate off court, I think that's how, that's her, her path to victory here. It's all going to come down to uh, how effective and uh, accurate um, that backhand is. So uh, I can see a path to victory for both girls here. That's why I probably think the price is bang on, and I'll just sit back and watch. I think uh, uh, having WTA TV or for you, you Americans now, it's Tennis Channel Plus, um, with on-demand uh, features, that's uh, this tournament on the women's side is going to be the one where that comes in handy because all those overnight matches I'll be able to watch the next day uh, um, in a nice and relaxed fashion with a couple of cups of coffee. So in summation spread, go to the bank, get a shiny new quarter, and flip it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, would you guys disagree with my assertion that that match is essentially on Contavite's racket, and then if she shows up and is able to avoid unforced errors and uh, keeps the ball in play, that she's going to hit the winners and win the match, but if she's inconsistent that the match is uh, Suarez-Navarro, would you guys agree with that assessment? I would, I would agree for for her i also think that suarez navarro can take the match onto her racket if she can uh you know avoid being on the run and having to uh hit a lot of safe shots and 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 again get to that backhand and 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 you know use the angles to to really hurt contivate i think like i said i think both ladies have um a a, a path to victory and there's a game plan for both to dictate um the match and i think whoever whoever you know grabs the bulls by the horns um is going to is going to win i think like you said if contivate is is crisp and keeping the you know baseline rallies and keeping suarez on the run and not letting her establish her angles um eventually she's going to be able to you know put away a lot of winners um but if if she lets suarez navarro into rallies and lets her you know kind of stabilize and, and get set then uh, then she could find herself running a lot and uh, and that's not going to be uh, to her advantage. All right. Were there any other matches? Go ahead, Fred. Oh, I just wondered if Vinny had an opinion on uh, on who was going to control that match. Uh, yeah, I kind of agree with you, but um, I thought that at the U.S. Open as well with like Garcia and Sharapova. They have the match on their record, but I know I don't know. Suarez Navarro really liked her end of last season, and if she can get anywhere where she played at the U.S. and also in in China, I think for some parts she can also take it. Um, it's just too close for me to to give a call there. Don't know how they spent their off season, but yeah. You sh I think you're right. Contivate should be the aggressor there, but yes, Suarez Navarro with with a good counter punch in the backhand and a tricky play. I think she can also kind of get the match from from Contivate's racket. Well, that's really great breakdown on that match, guys. So sorry we couldn't pick a winner for you there, spread or or the listeners, but um, that'll be a fun match <laughs> well, to no, watch. It's fun to even just break yeah, it absolutely. down. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Was there anything else we wanted to touch here on Brisbane, guys? 
Yeah, I'm not going to let these guys escape, or, or you as well. Um, I need a, I want a quick uh, breakdown of the Siniakova versus Tom Zanovich in the first round. Uh, I think that's fantastic, um, and I really think it's a good chance for Siniakova to uh, build off her strong end of the season. Um, but Tom Zanovich can be a very tricky player, and um, when she's consistent and she's on, she's tough to beat. So what do you guys think of that one? Yeah, I also liked Siniakova, but she moved into favorite spot pretty pretty yeah she's minus 150 yeah so maybe even Tomljanovic was value there playing at home or in Australia at least oh uh, yeah that's funny match like like all the other matches as well but yeah I'm just gonna sit back and watch how these girls start their seasons I wouldn't play Sinyakova at that at that odds Nope. Yeah, I kind of like Tom, Tom Janovich at, uh, at the plus money, plus 120. I was hoping for something a little juicier than that, maybe a plus 140 or plus 150 if um, I had my dream. But uh, I think that this is pretty close, and to get you know plus odds on, on either player in this match is pretty good. What do you think, Jorge? Uh, I think this is almost similar to... Uh, the last match, in a way, I don't think that Sinyakova's tricky play or kind of weapons are the same as far as Navarro, but I think it's it's the same concept. It's going to be a lot of uh, her angling against someone who's not that great of a mover and who who really relies on, on her hitting uh, to win. So again, whoever can can kind of impose their style here, I think, is the winner. And I I think it's a 50-50 match, and if you can, if that number veers out into that plus 130 range, I would definitely consider a play on Tomjanovic. How about you, Spread? Where were you leaning? Uh, I was uh, same way. I actually think Sinikova is going to win, and I'm going to, uh, you know, I had her advancing in my bracket that I filled out where, you know, you just pick a winner. It doesn't really matter the odds. But uh, I think if I were to wager, it seems like it's Tomjanovic or no play. I don't see how... Um, you know, just because she finished so strong at the end of the year, um, that she's really has she really earned to be a minus one fifty favorite against a player of, of Tom Janovich's caliber yet? Uh, basically, like you said, at home where um, you know we kind of discussed that two matches ago, but I do um, give the uh, when you switch that many time zones, I do give a huge home court advantage um, as opposed to you know going to different European countries and such. So. Um, I think Siniakova would win, but looking at the prices, if I were to wager on it, it'll probably be Tom Janovich or no bet. And uh, we have so much stuff going on; it's you know 99% going to be no bet for me. All right. Well, I th that was some really fantastic discussion and some good breakdown. And I think that just about wraps it up here um, in terms of our breakdown of Brisbane and the three tournaments we have next week. So, you know, thanks, you guys, for, for um, all your thoughts and opinions there. That was really great. And, you know, Vinny, thanks again for, for coming and joining us. Was this your first podcast? Yeah, I think you heard it. Still shitting my pants a bit. <laughs> well, we're really happy that uh, all three of us could take your podcast, Virginity, and we look forward to having you back on at, at some point later in the season, uh, maybe to break down one of the Grand Slams for us or, um, you know, one of the Masters tournaments. Uh, you know, take a look at the schedule and let us know what you think you want to do. Yeah, definitely. Um, hope to improve again with my podcast performance. Yeah. 
I would be happy to be on as, uh, again. Well, I, I think that, um, you know, when we look back, you know, like I mentioned, you are our second guest here, and I know that um, Jorge specifically probably enjoyed your accent much more than John Joe's. What do you think, Jorge? <laughs> <laughs> <In general. laughs> well, um, you know, thanks again, Vinny, for coming on and, um, you know, really great work. And like I said, we look forward to having you on. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. You know, reach out to us with some of your questions. Um, I'll be posting some of the outrights that we talked about. And it's finally tennis season. You know, look forward to following all four of us on Twitter. You can find me at underscore noops, uh, at spread a stare, at Jorge TWTS tennis and at matter tips tennis um you know we'll have some some picks coming out this week um and we look forward to a really great week of tennis so good luck everybody all right good luck with all your wagers